Something Something Dragons, episode 51. Something Something Mutants. Welcome to the Something Something Mutants podcast, a part of the Untold Stories Project. This is not our actual play of the Carrion Crown Adventure Path. Instead, we're going to be diverting off from Pathfinder to a different open gaming license D20-based system as we explore mutants and masterminds. I am, as always, your host and game master, Aaron, and with me today are the Rainbow Squad. Say hello, heroes! Hello! Hello, literal heroes this time. Hello. Hey, yeah! So you'll notice that we are down one voice, which is part of the reason for today's switch. Yellow is not with us today. And a little peek behind the recording curtain is that one of the problems of keeping momentum on a project like this, with a cast that is mostly made up of teenage players, is that their schedule is not always their own. Which is part of why we're doing the side project. If you're listening and you have watched any of the other shows from Untold Stories Project, you would know that we play a lot of Mutants and Masterminds. It is one of my favorite game systems. I run games for it almost every year at Origins and Gen Con. And one of the things that it has going for it, uh, just the whole superhero genre, not the game system itself, but the superhero genre, is it's a lot easier to swap players in and out between missions than it would be for a game like Pathfinder or D&D, where you tend to have heroes who are on much more long-form quests. You know, it's harder to explain what happened to this party member when you're on level two of a dungeon than it is to explain, oh, well, when you guys went on patrol on Thursday night, this character wasn't with you, you know. They had homework to catch up on. Exactly. So... What we're going to be doing is we're going to be creating a group of teenage superheroes to run some side missions with, and we will probably default to using them if down the line we end up going, oh, we need to record an episode and we're down a player. But before we get started with building characters, let's just talk superheroes and superhero RPGs. And what sort of background do all of you guys have with either? And I know that blue and orange have a lot, so I'm going to start... (laughs) I'm going to start with red. <laughs> um, alrighty then. Um, so I, yeah, um, like I said in like the beginning of this podcast, I, I do not have any experiences playing any RPGs besides this podcast. Um, though I have heard of other stuff and I've been wanting to play it for a while. Though I do know about superheroes, I'm a big Marvel fan. Though we haven't really seen DC except Wonder Woman. Do you read a lot of comics or just mostly like the movies and the TV shows? Movies and TV shows. I've seen most, if not all, of those. I pick up comics where I can. Though I am not an avid reader of the comics. I, I, I try to find more. I've been trying to find more. I don't exactly know where to get them all. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. We'll talk off air. <laughs> and your your parents are gonna hate me. <laughs> Green. So I've had 
my hero stuff, while well, I have a dad who's the biggest, probably the biggest, one of the biggest nerds I know, and who loves superhero stuff, I have never really gotten into the traditional comics and movies stuff. I find them kind of boring, and kind of just, a lot of it's the same story. And then the Marvel movies just feel like a drug trip, but <laughs> at least Infinity War did. But then, I, what I do love is My Hero Academia, which is why I was so happy to play uh, Teenage Superheroes kind of a thing. And in my plan, I, I have run more My Hero role plays than I think any others, and I've played in them too, though never with never like traditional ones with character sheets. But I have a character that I am very excited to try and play. I don't know if I'll be able to use him, but I have like 35 characters on fandom, so I'll find someone that works. We'll be able to adapt him. His power is just the coolest thing I've ever thought up. <laughs> we, we will get to the specifics of your concept in just a moment. I'm gonna keep orange for the last because I know she's got the most to say. So, Blue, tell me about your experience with superheroes and superhero RPGs. Alright, so superhero RPGs, I'm not gonna say I've done nearly as many as our GM here, but I've done a few, uh, and I've had a lot of fun. Your first experience with RPGs was with a superhero RPG. Yeah, and I do not talk about that anymore, because, god, that character was some- it was- it was like an eight-year-old design character in my defense. Well, yeah, you were eight years old. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I do not like talking about it, because I'm like, god, I named them that? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, after that, we've- I've had a lot of fun of superhero RPGs. I think I still need to do a lot more of the more fantasy-esque, like, Pathfinder. But superhero RPGs are really fun, and if you say, hey, come sit down at a table, I'd be like, yes, let's do this. And then, experience of superheroes, I don't think I got a choice to get into it, because I literally was born into a family where they were like, you're going to watch Marvel movies, and I'm like, ooh, Marvel. <laughs> um, I'm not as into comics. I, I, I read a lot of, like, you know, the children's superhero comics, but I never have picked up any of the, hey, people are dying all the time, fun comics. Fun. Yeah. You, um, you, you have every issue of Miss Marvel right now. I don't know where. Uh, well, they're somewhere in your room. I think. I hope we'll find them when we move. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, so, you know, I haven't read more of the non-leaning towards children side. But, I, you know, I like superheroes and I've watched Marvel movies, so I'm fairly experienced. And Orange. Lay it on us. I love superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, Orange and I met because we were both part of the same superhero cosplaying for charity group, so. Oh. Yeah. That's not awesome. <laughs> so, my second ever tabletop experience or game was actually Mutants and Masterminds 2nd Edition. Okay. And played in two and a half campaigns under second edition and i believe i've played in almost all of your convention games you've definitely done most of them yeah i don't think you were part of the playtest for the first disney game no we did miss that one and did you do did you do the playtest for uh, freedom city after dark Yes, that was the one. That was the one where we kept feeding the fat sky. 
The what? <laughs> yeah, no, it came up in my memories the other day. Wow, I'd sure- Some context for that. <laughs> if I could yeah. remember the context for it, I'd tell you, but I, I can't. I context of that, but- <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wait, no, I think I do. I think I remember. I think uh, Gatekeeper had opened a portal, a and portal? you guys kept shoveling stuff into it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds about right. Yeah. Wonderful. That is but, hilarious. And I've played in other convention games and basically superheroes, specifically DC, getting into Marvel is, I like, I enjoy Marvel, particularly the Marvel movies. And when the New 52 came around, we moved into Marvel because the New 52 was trash. But <laughs> DC is, is where I live, superheroes. So I have a lot of experience with superheroes, let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> well, for this particular group of heroes, this is what we're going to be doing. So we are going to be playing a game that is going to be set in the Earth Prime setting for Mutants and Masterminds, which is where pretty much anything that Green Ronin publishes takes place. So that is their default superhero universe. If you were to go into a store and look at the Mutants and Masterminds books and pick up any of their pub any of the adventures that are published by Green Ronin for Mutants and Masterminds, because they license third-party adventures, it would take place in Earth Prime. Or if it didn't take place in Earth Prime, it would be very specifically about, oh, you guys are doing a cross-dimension adventure. So not only are we going to be in Earth Prime, but we are also going to be taking place uh, this adventure is going to be taking place in Freedom City, which is their kind of default campaign city. It is located somewhere along the eastern seaboard. Um, I believe it's set to be in Rhode Island, but, you know, where exactly it is is left a little bit nebulous for GMs to figure out themselves. And specifically, you are all going to be students at the Claremont Academy. Anyone who is familiar with comics will understand the reference to the name of Claremont Academy. Those of you who don't, you don't. It's fine. <laughs> Note our silence. Yep. I would say... Note our silence. Orange knows it, but... <laughs> the short answer is the most prolific of the X-Men authors, like the one who wrote the X-Men comics for the longest straight run and what most people think of when you think of the classic era of the X-Men, was a writer named Chris Claremont. Mm. So, oh. since, huh. since the Claremont Academy is kind of loosely based off of the Xavier Institute for Gifted Youngsters, that's why they called it the Claremont Academy. Because the guys who uh, write at Green Ronin love superheroes almost as much as I do, and love to put in Easter eggs like that. So Fun. That's actually one of the things I love about reading the Freedom City books, is like, I know these characters... But I know these characters, you know? It's like, it's very easy for me to go, okay, that's an homage to the character with this kind of twist. That's an but homage to this character with this kind of twist. Oh, that's great. It's also sort of an homage to comics themselves because yep. comics do that. Yep, absolutely. So uh, your characters are going to be power level 10, which means nothing to you, but will mean something to any of our listeners who are familiar with mutants and masterminds. Um, and you're going to have 150 power points for character creation. That is the default level for PCs in a Mutants and Masterminds game, although you can set the power level much lower or much higher. The hero high 
Sourcebook usually recommends starting Teen Heroes at power level 8, but because most of you haven't played Mutants and Masterminds before, and we're going to be taking advantage of the Quick Start character creator to help build your characters, we're just going to go with the standard, and if you're a little bit more powerful than the bad guys I'm going to throw at you, it's fine, you're superheroes, you're supposed to win. And it's a side quest anyway, so it's not like and this it's is going to be a long-run situation. No in the long run here. Oh no. It, you it, did good in the meant for fun thing. How exactly. will we live? Yeah. <laughs> and if we do a second scenario with these heroes, yeah, maybe then I'll power up the villains to power level 10. We'll see. So let's talk a little bit about the different ideas that each of you wanted to bring to the table. <laughs> Who would like to go first? <laughs> I can? I think, I think Blue should go first. I think Blue should go first as well. <laughs> I'm gonna go first, but I think if I, you know, mention that, Blue's gonna, uh, like, go my house in the night. <laughs> I'm just excited. I got a fun idea. Alright, let's talk about your character a little. So, for the basic overview of this idea, think anime magical girl, but bored and upset. And then you've got the basic idea. It's not, does it, she doesn't mind all the powers that, you know, you get, but... God, is it annoying to transform, and the costume sucks, and this annoying cat won't shut up. That is the <laughs> idea. It's funny. I believe the way I described it to, uh, when I was telling the other people at Untold Stories about what we were doing for the side quest. She's a magical girl, but over it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, just done. she likes, you know, getting the power, it's just... Do I really have to scream at this stupid catchphrase every time? And what the heck is this transformation? And the cat, you know, that just makes her want to throw it at the bad guy. That's the concept, but you, uh, did you think any about what sort of power set you wanted to do with her? Um, I never, I mean, I didn't go too into detail, but I really kind of like electricity with, like, for powers. Okay. Just because, you know, lightning, that's fun. Yeah. Shock the guy. Cause like, looking at the uh, the quick start character generator, the energy controller has a path you can go down that includes the instant change, includes the lightning powers, and I think that for the sake of ease, we're gonna go ahead and use that quick generator for you. Awesome. So we're gonna go down the energy controller path. For those of you listening. There is a quick start character generator that is in both the Deluxe and the Basic Heroes Handbook. It originally appeared in the Game Master's screen. It actually does a really nice job of building solidly playable characters with enough customization that they do feel unique. And then, of course, you know, once you've gone through the build, you can always go through and tweak some elements of it from what the default generator gave you. Green, you wanted to go first, but blue, <laughs> step on your feet. So why don't you go? Hey, I is happy. Okay, so my plan is based around my hero character I made. Is kind of although I am gonna change a few details about his my hero version, which is mostly he's not. I'm taking off the tragic backstory, at least toning it down, because <laughs> version, I think I'm gonna keep the his villain is his father is a villain thing. Okay. Not gonna keep the his brother was murdered in front of him bit because that's a little dark to put into this. But he's uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's uh, so he's less traumatized than his My Hero version, but basically he's a kind of a goofball. He's 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 good at a lot of things except social interaction. He usually relies on his looks to get by when he has to talk to people, but some gymnastic skills. He's not exactly strong, but his agility makes up for that. But his other his power is he. And I don't know exactly how this will work because it's hard to translate into mechanics. But he could. Uh, he, I was inspired by Midnight from My Hero Academia in that his power is released from is like released through his pores. Unlike Midnight's, he can turn it off. He doesn't have to like wear clothes that restricts it. And instead of putting his opponents to sleep, it mind controls them, meaning that they. If they inhale this gas he produces, or can choose to produce, it's not always on. Unless he gets really angry, he's pretty good at controlling it. Will... They basically become his thrall. He can't, like, make them spill their secrets. He only has access to their motions. But he's... Suddenly, when suddenly all the villains are fighting on his, on his side, he's an ally to have, even if he's, you know, a little bit... terrible at communication and things. He's a very awkward person, but everyone's afraid of him. <laughs> He's the lizard guy from Squirrel Girl. I'm joking, but the, no, that I'm reference Just made a slight whistle as it flew over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I read a Squirrel Girl book, which I found amusing, but there's like a lizard guy that does a similar thing, but anyway. In your case, I do not think we're going to be able to use any of the quick start templates to build this guy so we're gonna we're probably gonna end up spending more time building uh possession which i think was, you said was his name yes that is his uh, name we're probably gonna end up spending a little bit more time working on him than we are on nico guardian or red's character who we haven't talked about yet and orange is adept at building characters already and i believe she's already done a lot of the work to build hers but um, I think we're going to be able to... I think we can probably do a lot of what you want. We can definitely make someone who is agile and quick, not terribly strong, maybe some martial arts skills so you have something to rely on when you can't mind control people. I feel like when you say if, we mean when. Yeah. Um, and we can definitely build a pheromone-based martial or mind control effect for your character. That is absolutely something that mutes and masterminds can do. You just need to be prepared for the fact that equal level villains and heroes will be able to resist it pretty regularly. Minions and ordinary people will almost always succumb to it. Um, Alright, I mean, it's not unbeatable even in his original draft. He's just... Yeah. That's well, where the agility and gymnastics stuff comes in, is when you've got a six-foot-tall guy who can fit through an air vent. It's a lot harder to... I, I think we'll be able to get you there. Alright, Red, what do you got for us? I, like most of the time, had no ideas or preparation for the thing that we were going into, so I just kind of looked at the quick maker player maker thing um, and got ideas from there. Um, which thankfully from there I was able to, um, come up with something I like. But, um, it should be fairly easy to fit in because I, like, almost entirely based it off of the quick maker thingy. So my guy is, uh, he is a totem, um, a Komodo dragon totem. I try to make his personality and stuff 
like the opposite of what I would usually play, which is quiet in the background, mysterious magic-y type. Which I should probably make different characters once in a while, so that's what I tried to do. This guy, uh, he's pretty friendly. He got his um, Komodo dragoniness from a tech-based accident. He's had his um, powers for a bit. Um, he's pretty friendly. A bit quiet at first, I suppose, but he, um, other than that, he is, yeah, quite friendly, talkative, someone who I regularly would not play, but I want to kind of broaden my horizons a bit, as it were. Branch out, explore. Yes. <laughs> Think it would be fun to try to do that. Alright. And bringing up the pack, Orange, tell us about, uh, who you want to bring to the table. Um, I am going with a Technomancer. Their hero name is Flash Drive. I have not picked a actual human name yet, but uh, basically they can empathically and intuitively connect to and control technology. Uh, they can also create constructs like little, basically little minions that will help because they are not good at the fighting. <laughs> Um, not so, fighting, knee fighting. <laughs> they're they're not they're not great with the punchy punchy. They have tech for that. That's that's exactly right. They have tech for that. But they're kind of outside of their superhero thing. They're kind of the sort of classic, slightly socially awkward, but really enthusiastic, nerdy gamer type. So they're very smart into math and technology, video games kind of obsessed with it. Like, that's their interest, and you will know that that is their interest. Sounds good. Alright, so let's talk a little bit about, first, the mechanics of Mutants and Masterminds, and then specifically the characters. So, you guys, you know, all of you play Pathfinder, obviously, because we're a Pathfinder podcast. Oh, wow. Mutants and Masterminds, you will find plays very similar to Pathfinder. It's still a D20 based system. So almost everything you do is going to be roll a D20, add a number to it. You want to beat a certain number. Natural ones are always a failure. Natural 20s are always a success. It's the same as Pathfinder in that on a skill check, a natural 20 or a natural one is not automatically a success or a failure. If your skill bonus is high enough or low enough, you know, it doesn't matter if you roll a natural 20. If you know nothing about nuclear, you can't fix a nuclear reactor. It just doesn't work. Conversely, if you know enough skill, you know, if you have enough points in a skill, it doesn't matter if you're having an off day, you still know how to fix the toaster. <laughs> oh no, the toaster. But in combat and in saving throws, a natural one is always a success. A natural 20 is always a failure. Or, other way around. Other way around, please. Strike, <laughs> Strike that, that, reverse it. it. Yeah. A natural one is always a failure. A natural one is success. Critical hits are handled differently than Pathfinder. You don't have to confirm them. It's automatically confirmed if it would be a success if it wasn't a natural 20. So what I mean by that is, let's say that the only way you're ever going to hit this character would require you to roll a 27 on the die. Well, obviously, you can't roll a 27, but a 20 is always a hit. So if you roll a die and you get the natural 20, it's a hit. Congratulations. But it's not a critical hit because you 
still don't have enough of a bonus to actually hit the difficulty. Make sense? Yeah. But if we fight anything like that, that's highly unlikely, right? That is very <laughs> unlikely, it's certainly for a beginning scenario. Yeah, I think it's the time to run away. So, our players, you will all see that there is a blank character sheet on the screen. You will see that there are mostly the same attributes that you're used to from Pathfinder. There's two attributes that are different. Uh, the first that is different, and some of them have different names. Dexterity from D&D or Pathfinder has been broken out into two different attributes. There is agility and dexterity. Um, agility is for your balance, grace, your overall physical coordination. So your agility is what helps you dodge, what gives you a bonus in initiative, what gives you a bonus to acrobatics. Your dexterity is your hand-eye coordination and your precision. So if you're making a ranged attack, it is your dexterity bonus that adds, not your agility. If you were trying to pick a lock, you would use your dexterity bonus, but not your agility. Makes sense. You know, basically, it just kind of separates out the difference between the two, because it, it was one of the things that the, the, the designers of this game didn't like, is that those two were very much linked in D&D, you know? Anyone who is nimble is also a really good yes. ranged attack person, and that's not necessarily true, because fine motor skills are hard. Yep. So, like, for example, Wiki's character, Flash Drive, probably is going to have a pretty high dexterity. They're good with their hands and building things and playing video games, all of which are dexterity skills. They may not have a real high agility. Conversely, uh, from what you said about Possession, who is nimble and agile and flexible, he might have a really high agility. He may not have a real high dexterity. Now, he might but it's certainly not something that's going to be required. Yeah, I mean, it would be... I mean, yeah, that... Yeah, he's not exactly a lockpicker. He'd rely on his ability to enchant the god. Exactly. The other thing you'll notice is that right now the default of all abilities is set to zero. This does not mean, oh my god, I'm terrible at this. It's whatever your bonus would have been in D&D or Pathfinder is what your attribute would be in Mutants and Masterminds. Huh. So, a strength of zero does not mean I am as weak as a kitten who can barely move. It means that if I was in Pathfinder, I have a strength between 9 and 11. Like common or average. Exactly. It is a perfectly average ordinary would have zeros in all of their attributes. Doesn't mean, oh my god, you're terrible. It just means you don't get any bonuses. Anything. The other attribute that is new is there's an attribute which is called fighting. Fighting is basically your base attack bonus. It also helps determine your, ar essentially your armor class against close attacks. Instead of a separate thing, they just made it one of your ability scores. Wisdom in D&D becomes awareness. Presence is charisma. The other thing you'll see is there is a section for defenses. Now defenses include basically both saving throws and armor class. So dodge is your armor class against ranged attacks. Parry is your armor class against close attacks. It is actually this number plus 10 is the difficulty to hit you. So again, having a dodge of zero does... Oh my god, I get hit by everything. It means that the person attacking me has to get a 10 or better to hit me. So again... Still pretty terrible, but oh well. <laughs> right, but it means that if you're fighting someone who isn't a trained fighter, they're gonna miss sometimes. Same with parry. Like I said, parry is your, your close-in attacks. 
Fortitude and Will saves are basically the same as you would find in Pathfinder. Um, that's your bonus. And then the one that I keep skipping over is Toughness. Toughness is where this game gets very different than D&D. In this game, you don't have hit points. What? <laughs> I'm acting surprised and then I'm like, all right. Green <laughs> confusion noises. Anything that affects you, you get a saving throw against. Whether that is a someone is mind controlling you, you are caught in a net, you are being poisoned, or somebody punches you. Against any of it, you get a saving throw. And also unlike D&D or Pathfinder, how much you fail the saving throw by determines what happens. So, you have a toughness saving throw. And when you get hit by an attack, you have to make a toughness save against the damage of the attack. If you succeed, like just outright beat the number, what happens is the attack has no effect on you. They hit you and it doesn't get through your character's natural defenses. You're that tight. If you fail by one point to up to five points, or one point to four points, what happens is you take a hit. Those hits don't really affect you, except that they subtract one from all of your future toughness saves. So, for example, uh, I get punched once and I fail the saving throw by one. Okay, I have a hit. Not a big deal. Mark it on my character sheet. Keep going fight goes on again i get hit a couple more times but i'm rolling rocks i'm rolling really high on my toughness saves so i've accumulated nine hits well my next toughness saving throw that i get you know next time someone hits me and i make a toughness saving throw i'm subtracting nine from my result which means that i'm much more likely to fail it by more than you know one to four points if you fail a toughness saving throw by five points to nine points you still take a hit and you're dazed for one round you can either take a move action or a standard but not both you fail by 10 points to 14 points you're staggered that means you've been hit pretty hard you are hindered you are fatigued you're dazed for a turn and if you get staggered again you get the third result which is incapacitated now this is a superhero game incapacitated is usually the worst you need to worry about it means you've been knocked out and you're probably out of the rest of this you're probably not dead sleepy time but this is going to matter a lot this saving throw mechanic is going to matter a lot for like possession because your mind control is going to work the same way there's going to be a level of how badly they're affected by your pheromones if they fail by one one to four points there's going to be a level of how much they're affected if they fail by five to nine points. And there's going to be a level of what happens if they fail by ten or more points. Uh, do I get a say in how that works, or is that you all absolutely up to the do. You absolutely do. Um, the other thing... He does, makes... I designed for the roleplay. He has a scale... He has a less complicated scaling system, because we weren't playing with dice. But it all depended on how close they were. So now yeah. I guess it will depend on the dice. So... The really nice thing, though, is those rules about the levels only matter for heroic level characters. For minions, if you fail by one, it's as bad as failing it by 20. So if you, you know, just don't fail. So, yeah, if you're fighting a minion, either they succeed or they fail. There's no in between. So, 
you know, if Batman throws a a bolo batarang at a thug, we don't worry about is the thug only hindered or is he actually tied up? It's like no, no, no. The thug failed his save. He's tied up. We're not worrying about him anymore. If Superman punches a robot and the robot fails its toughness save by one, the robot's destroyed. Move on. The the levels of failure only matter when dealing with you know heroic level characters or you know villain level characters. So I would say a villain is heroic level. Well, yeah, exactly. So you know if possession is in a room of people who are panicking because villain showed up and he wants to use his pheromones to make all of them calmly and orderly walk out of the theater and stop freaking out. I'll make a will save and unless I roll amazingly well, they're all going to fail and they're all... Yes, we're going to calmly and orderly walk out of the theater and make a save. If Possession is trying to use his pheromone power on the villain, that's where the levels of failure will matter. Make sense? Yep. So, is there such a condition as surprise in this? That was one thing in the roleplay that I did with Possession's powers, was it was harder to resist it if you got surprised by it. Like, if you sure, knew- absolutely. If, 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 yeah. If they knew it was, like, when he had to go against a bunch of students as a training exercise, they knew it was coming and could resist it. But when he would jump a bunch of villains, they had no idea. So, similar to, uh, Pathfinder, um, you're, you can be flat-footed. Or, or surprise, okay. in which case you get half of your normal defense. So, yep. Also, what about gear? We'll get to gear. But essentially, there's two types of gear. There are superhero equipment, which are something that you pay for points, pay with, pay for with points, just the way you would any of your other powers. Then there's also equipment, which is more mundane stuff, stuff that is more easily broken. We can have a little bit of both. You, a characters can have both or either of those. Usually, the way I kind of break it down is Captain America's shield is a gadget. It is, you know, it, it is one of a kind. It does things no normal can ever possibly do. A comm link is gear. It's a, it, it's it's equipment. It, it It's cheap. It's easy. It can easily be broken, but it's not a big deal to replace it if it's to it. So, Part of the reason that I like this quick start character creator is Mutants and Masterminds is a open point by game system, unlike, say, Pathfinder, where, okay, you have so many points for your action. Now you have so many skill points to put in at first level. Okay, now pick these abilities that you start with. In Mutants and Masterminds, you have 150 points to build your character, and you can put them into your abilities, you can put them into skills, you can put them into advantages, which are kind of like feats. You can put them into powers. You can put them into equipment. You can put them wherever you want. Okay, so I just feel like that that makes me feel like someone just spontaneously broke the training wheels off my bike and told me to go. <laughs> it does. So that's why I like the quick start character generator, because it gives an idea of how to break down those points. So. The way we're going to handle this, because Possession is going to be the hardest character to build without having already built a character. So I'm going to... I, I think the way we're going to order this is we're going to do Nico and Finn, because they're going to use the Quick Start Generator first. Then we'll check in with Orange and see where she wanted to put points for Flash Drive. Then we'll go to you with an idea of, okay, 
look to spend somewhere around this many points for your kid. Does that make sense? Yeah, yep. it's just a little daunting because everything I've ever done before has used... I mean, I'm used to using standard array. 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, nope, 8. I get it. I get it. And that's why we're gonna, we're gonna do this together and I promise it won't hurt. Basically, you just want to do it. You just break it down. Do it okay. in steps. It's a lot. It's a lot easier than it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, listeners. We ended up having a little bit of technical difficulties when it came to the recording, where we went through all of the character creation process for our teenage heroes. So, this episode is going to end here, and next week we will pick up with the very beginning of the first adventure for our teenage heroes. In the meantime, if you head to www.untoldstoriesproject.com and go over to our blog section, you will be able to see the completed character sheets for Nico Guardian, Possession, Flash Drive, and Finn, who ends up going by the name of Dragon Breath. Hope that you'll go check out those character sheets, and we hope that you will be back here next week as our heroes begin their adventure. Keep an eye open for shape-changing aliens. Never feed a zombie. Keep those mutations in check. And something, something dragons. If you like what you're hearing, come check out our other shows at theuntoldstoriesproject.com. From there, you can find links to our Twitch and YouTube channels, as well as back episodes in audio or video format. You'll also find blogs about gaming, bios about us, information and background about our shows, character sheets for some characters and games, and a link to our Discord server if you want to join our community. You can also send us an email at untoldstoriesandgames at gmail.com. Finally, please drop us a review on iTunes. It really helps people find us. Thanks for listening.